Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon. We have 14 employees, over 650 titles in print with 20 to 40 new books per year, and we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or perhaps you just want to better understand the publishing industry. This week, we are going to talk about our most controversial episode ever. Selling out. We all have pride on it at some point, whether we know it or not. No, no. Have you ever wanted to give away your values and compromise for money? I mean, that's what we all go into publishing for, right? A bunch of sharks. <laughs> right. Full, full <laughs> yes. Publishing is full of great capitalists. So, um, do you want to talk about the dinosaurs? Uh, well, once upon a time, there were dinosaurs roaming the earth, and that turned into gasoline to drive people to Tower Records locations across the United States, throughout suburban America. And Tower Records was a host of strange anomalies, like... Doug Biggert, who, uh, the man who placed his orders by bouncing on a trampoline and talking on the telephone with his, uh, publishers, who supplied the, um, printed matter racks at Tower, and Doug, when he found that he could not get the, like, most subversive and obscure British um, books and magazines about, like, graffiti and train hopping and such. He went into agreements to publish those things in the United States since he had this massive distribution network through Tower. And that is how, oddly, Tower Records came to publish a lot of the weirdest <laughs> subversive media in the U.S. at the time, in the late 90s. And Despite all of this, as a young, uh, you know, conflicted Gen X person, I really was torn when I received the inquiry from Tower Records that they wanted to sell our publications. And Why were you torn? What was your dilemma? Because, you know, it felt kind of soulless. And it, you know, I mean, on one hand, it's like the credo of what we do is secret is like it's power that you feel like you're part of, you know, like your money is only going to good places and, you know, you don't want to feed the corporate hegemony and all that. And, you know, you also want to feel like you're part of like a cool network of people that you only share like mind with, you know? And I think that is a lot of it where there's an assumed set of core common values. And, you know, like, Doug was definitely part of that. But not everybody, you know, like Tower Records is not. You know, was not, I suppose. So what did you do when they approached you? I wrung my hands together extensively. And then eventually I did end up selling them a good amount of books, like thousands of books, I want to say. 
and they were very good you know they paid you know the stuff worked out you know there was minimal returns it was pretty clean really and you know part of it too though is like you sort of I grew up in the punk rock subculture where you have to like explain every time you breathe or go to the bathroom and why you did that and like what meaning that might have and what like the greater global implications of that might be. So, you know, I just made the very simple like these were the conflicts and considerations and like ultimately it seemed more important to reach the like disaffected youth of suburban America through Tower Records, you know. And we got unanimously positive feedback to that. You know, every single person was like, thank you so much. I found so much weird shit that, like, guided me through life at a Tower Records when I was a young person. Which had not been my experience, because I did not have such a thing. But, you know, I got, I understood, like, maybe some parallels or whatever. And, um, and, you know, people just generally felt good about our stuff being available there. And as we have grown up as publishers, um, I say we, but I wasn't around for most of this, but in the publishing world we exist in now, I find that, like, the dilemma of whether or not to sell at Tower Records is actually rather quaint, because some of the people that we need to do business with just to, like, get our books into independent bookstores, for instance, are, like, kind of evil. And it's a different sort of problem, you know, yeah, you definitely deal with people that are all business much more so and you definitely you know it, it the considerations are things more along the lines of is the ownership trying to channel infinite or like now merely theoretical amounts of money into their own pockets while paying their workers an unfairly small amount of money most of them are yeah, and that's, you know, because there's just not a lot of money in publishing, and if that is, like, what your motivation is at the end of the day, then that's going to be the problem you have. So we'll sell to almost anyone, to be honest, but we have drawn a line. Yeah, that's true. We will not sell to Amazon, because they are by far the least ethical of maybe businesses in publishing. But um, we are here to tell you today the story of a line we did not draw. Though it might have, we might have drawn it back in like 2006, but mm -hmm. here in 2020, where we, we sure stepped over this line. <laughs> where, wherein we um, found my old my Mary who uh, grew up in Cleveland, and uh, she sent me a message one day that she was like, "I find it weird that you can buy your books at Tower Records," and I was like, Do you mean oh, "I'm sorry, at Urban Outfitters," <laughs> and I was like. No, you can't. This was in 2006, right? Well, yeah, like, what are you talking about? And and, she, and then I looked on their website, and sure enough, there our books were. And, you know, that was a weird moment, because, you know, that's just, like, a store that I find no cultural... Uh, you know, I find nothing positive. Like, I don't go there and just, find things I like. I go there the and I... Just disaffected suburban teens, though. Yeah, right, and exactly. And that's, like, a good thing. Whereas, like, at Tower Records, like, I can find things that are, like, legitimately interesting in its heyday. Whereas, like, I go to Urban Outfitters and I'm like, why would people buy this? I don't not understand it. So another place where you can find a lot of items that you don't understand would or, never buy and cannot comprehend in any way... Excellent segue. <laughs> is also somebody that, well, this 
place at least had the decency to contact us out of the blue but they did it so badly that i did not think that it was a real message all right it did read like a scam mm -hmm. and but, so they said know. something along the lines of like you have been selected for gwyneth paltrow's goop and i was like delete and then i went back and i was like wait could it be is it legitimate and like somehow three emails in, it became clear that they wanted to add one of our books to their holiday gift guide and they were willing to buy copies and sell them themselves. And all we really had to do was like supply the books and we were like, okay, especially when we found out what the book was, which is the last one I would have expected. The book they selected was the post-structuralist <laughs> vulva coloring book. <laughs> It's our most academic title. For sure. A very uh, nerdy and needle-nosed. And apparently a great fit with a... Well, when the gift guide came out, it turns out that this is like the only item under $50 for sure. And most of the items are like in the thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. I did peruse several chairs that were more than three thousand dollars and that entertained me greatly. And you can like literally buy like another room for your house. Like, it's, yes, but it's called, like, a, a study pod, or, I don't know, it, it has, it's all marketing. Anyway, we, like... Can I make the joke that I'm going to keep store my lawnmower in the study pod? Ooh, yeah, I mean, I guess how many of them probably just end up getting used for that, right? <sighs> they put all their, like, unused gym equipment in there. Ooh, man. But anyway, yes, so the result was kind of funny because we they like filled out all this paperwork and um normally we, when we fill out all that paperwork it's like for a sale of hundreds or thousands of books and they bought 50 and we were like okay fine <laughs> that's not terrible that's not great yeah. um but then like the media hits started rolling in and because our book is hilarious and also one of the only things that a regular person could actually afford it's mentioned in almost all the articles about the gift guide which mostly are by the way making fun of it the gift guide and our book. Mm -hmm. And Goop generally. Goop is like a pretty easy target because it really is like a very rich person's Playground. aspirational lifestyle brand for white women who are focused mm -hmm. on wellness. Like it's and it like has there's some like problematic cultural appropriation stuff going on. There's like, you know, it's not like it's it's like not really like a great fit with our own mission and values. We haven't made a big deal of it on social media. And that's mostly because but, it's not, yeah, that's not gonna, like, it's not something, like, we're proud of, or not gonna go anywhere good, or, but it's not also something that we're, like, ashamed of, you Yeah, know? it's not a secret, it's just, like, we don't feel the need to promote these, like, $5,000 chairs to our customers along with their But if you want a $5,000 chair, we are gonna have a conversation about that decision, because I just need to understand this. Like, why, yes. <laughs> Is it a tax write-off? Could be. Could I guess be. if it's for your business? For your sailboat. If you've been too successful. And so, you know, and this is kind of one of those things where to me this was like, I guess this is the difference that 18 years brings. It was a no-brainer for me. Mm -hmm. It was like one of those things where I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, we get to be listed in this catalog that was made fun of on Parks and Recreation that is like such a cultural touchstone that, you know, it's like you're supposed to hate it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, and it's not, like, I feel like it does 1% of the damage that Amazon does to our society, you know? So it's, like, on the other hand, you know, your publishing is forever, if there's one thing you learn from this episode beyond how to sell out, it's that 
when you sell a book in publishing, you are displacing one other book from the shelf. That's literally the economics of it. It doesn't work any other way. The uh, Amazon's infinite shelf thing is a lie, obviously, because even they are curating selections. But so, you know, you presumably you have values and presumably your values are held high in your own esteem and or value system. And so, presumably your books reflect them. Let us hope. And so when you put your book somewhere, you are displacing another book. When you put your book on Goop, you are displacing the, like, how to have ageless skin and beautiful body with, you know, despite all ravages of time, you know. And which is very much a book that does very much exist and has been published hundreds and thousands of times over. And, you know, at the end of the day, I would much rather the post-structuralist Velvet Coloring Book be there than any one of those books. The, um, I feel like there are ways we could sell out, but most Wait, of really? them have to do with, like, what publishing something that we would make yeah. a lot of money, but that would be against our values, rather than, like, who... Like, you can't really... Con I feel like the big lesson here is you can't really control who buys your books at yeah. all, once, especially once you start working with a distributor. Yeah. But you can control what you publish and just hope that that represents you so well in the world that it can have the impact that you envision no matter how it's distributed. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.